You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to Season 2 of Practically Pastoring. I am one of your hosts, Frank Gill, and I'm glad to be here for a new year, new me, new podcast. Um, I'm here with my, my buddy, Jeff Simpson. Hey. My buddy, Delmar Pete. Hello. And my and my good friends from the great state of Florida, who is whose football team is now going to be playing the team well, that my, I'm currently living in. My football team, not Tim's. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's true. Well, that's your football true. team. Is, anyways, we're already getting off the rails in this new year. Andrew Larson, greetings and salutations. And <laughs> Timothy Miller. Hello, world. Hey, so uh, it's been uh, a quiet couple weeks, and uh, we are we are. We I think are, the biggest news is Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville, right? I mean, it's that's the biggest it's news all in the I've country. About it is. Hey, it's whoever it. borrowed my buffalo costume, you can just keep that. You don't need to uh, dry clean it and give that back to me. You can just buffalo uh, bills. No, 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 not that oh, one. Oh. The other one, a shaman oh, buffalo, giant... I believe. Oh, my, bu- my buddy, my buddy will get that back <laughs> and to you. Andrew. There it is. Uh, <laughs> hey, so uh, we, 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 we took a break from season one to season two over the beginning of December. We've had Christmas. We've had New Year's. We've had you know, a lot of different stuff happening. How was y'all's break? Was it, was it restful? Was it eventful? Break? Want- <laughs> oh, yes. <Yeah. It's> <laughs> wait, wait. What, it's not school. I don't know what I'm talking, <laughs> what about. Are you talking about. We're pastors now. We don't have a break over Christmas. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's busier. It's so funny. On Saturday night at like midnight, Frank emailed all of us our, our show notes for this episode. And I was like sitting there trying to get our, our PowerPoint and keynote stuff all aligned for Sunday morning. And I was like, what? What do campus pastors do? You know, I'm sweating, we already did it. Getting, getting my getting my last minute stuff done for Sunday morning, and Frank sending out stuff for this show. And I, I was like, Frank's three weeks must ahead. Be Frank, nice to, we are three minutes nice into to, this podcast, and the campus pastor mystery has already come back up. Guys, I preached twice. Same. But how many back services? How many services? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, that's where Probably we got more than you guys. all y'all combined. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. I, I did. But do you remember when, when you were a youth pastor? Like, this actually was a break. Like, you would take two oh, or yeah. three weeks off of youth group. You'd get that family time. I, I kind of miss those yeah. days because this was not much of a break. No. Yeah. I mean, even though my kids were home, I, I had to preach because. Um, one of the preachers that was supposed to preach one Sunday got COVID. And so that Wednesday, I was told, hey, you got to preach Genesis 46. I was like, all right. And then the following Sunday, I was already scheduled, preach Genesis 47. It was a cool – I've never done a back-to-back in my church. So I feel kind of like you guys who have to kind of get up every Sunday and uh, talk to people every Sunday. So it felt cool. What's funny to me is when church members come up and, and ask you how your break was, and you're like – you remember all those services we did over the Christmas time that I was there and you were there for? Oh, so it wasn't a break, right? No, okay, so our Christmas <laughs> Eve service is at a skating rink and it started at 6 p.m. and we cleared it, but the skating rink did not end their last skate session until 5.55 p.m. It is 5.55. There are two young ladies skating until right at the end. We had five minutes to flip an entire skating rink by the time we had it wow. flipped i had almost <laughs> lost the christmas eve service in my head i'm Dude, up you there like just gone sweating. for it man oh yeah couple yes. skate during christmas eve candlelight hey, that's pretty sweet the holy roller christmas service that's what yeah. i should have just, so just owned it <laughs> the big break that i had 
was the Sunday after Christmas. We did an online only thing, so it was pre-recorded. I uploaded the whole service to Facebook Live from my house on Christmas Eve day before I got to the church on Christmas Eve. The Christmas Eve service was almost a disaster. We like our computer died two minutes before the service started. We had people sitting outside because it's Florida and we can we can do that. But we had this monsoon that was about to hit us. So we got the computer back going. We said amen at like 653. And then the first raindrop fell four minutes later. And it was this awful, awful storm. But so, like as I left the parking lot, there was just stuff blowing through the parking lot. Tree branches were down. But in my head, I knew that the Christmas Eve service had gone off really, really well. Everything worked. And then I didn't have to preach another service on the 27th. That was already pre-recorded. That was already uploaded. And so I that, that must have felt great. I, I don't know that I've ever felt I was like driving home, dodging debris, just smiling to myself that I was like, <laughs> we did it. Dude, that's like you walking days. away in slow-mo with an explosion behind it you. Was. That's the exactly it really what is. Christmas Eve felt like. Nice. Nice. Well, Dell, I think you and I both got Fords over the Christmas yes, break, right? Yes, we did. Hey, man, that is the Lord's car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like my dad, yours is going to be significantly nicer than mine. But well, yeah, I mean, but but to, to be fair, my dad bought this car when I was one, and he restored it with his father the the three fifty one Cleveland that's in it, and then I restored the interior with him about five years ago, and he always told me when I die you'll get this car. So Christmas we go outside, and uh, he just he has my mom tell me because he can't tell me like what's going on. He has my mom say. Uh, that he wants to see that you have joy and that this car shouldn't be connected with pain. And she chucked me the keys to his uh, 72 Mach 1, and I'm just standing there like, what the literal heck right now? And the video you put together was yeah, incredible. so cool, Everybody man. That's crying. such a cool like generational gift, man. That's really cool. And he gave my brother, uh, I guess that's a 02 Mach 1. But, man, yeah. We had – that was – like. Usually my goal is to make someone cry on Christmas, low key. Um, but this year I just got <laughs> crushed. I got crushed. So uh, yeah. But um, back to y'all's thing. Oh, well, hold up. What kind of Ford did you get, man? Because you got a Ford. Oh, I bought myself a 1990 uh, Ford F-150 off the streets of Baltimore. Righteous. So, yeah. Righteous. It looks. It looks just like you would think a 1990 Ford F-150. Tell me, you have a dog. You have to have a dog. I right? do have a dog, okay. and I have very much thought about putting him in the truck with me and riding on the bench seat. Oh yeah, you got to. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's over- just a it's just a truck to just drive around town because we've been one car family, and when the wife is gone like all day doing something, and I'm just like stuck here, kind of stinks. So what you got in you it? Know. Like what kind of engine? I don't know, just whatever was it's a V eight five So you're getting like fourteen yeah. miles to the gallon. <laughs> the one came oh yeah, with. no, the gas is terrible. I can watch yeah. the, the the gauge fall <laughs> when I accelerate. You know, you know what's funny is like with with the I know like Apple's building a car, and I know like everyone's moving towards like Teslas and electric cars and stuff like that. There's something like I, I my dream car is a Ford Bronco. Like something that's just a gas guzzler SUV yeah. that like will never break like that like. You can run into a tree and they'll just have to reverse it and keep going, right? Like it's the cockroach like, of like, vehicles, true, man. man. It will survive the apocalypse. It will. <laughs> yeah. 
don't know. But hey, um, you know, it's been it's been good catching up with you guys. Uh, you know, I've missed this show, and, I, and I, you know, a lot of people have been 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 reaching on like, you know, hey, when is practically Pastor coming back? We never did that uh, live chat on Facebook, but you know, that's Whoops. that's the life of being we were a, busy. A, a pastor. Yeah, we were busy doing Christmas services doing and pastor stuff. Yeah, doing pastor stuff. So. Um, but we do have some plans doing some Facebook lives um, in the in the near future. But we'll talk about that another day. But let's uh, take a break real quick and come back with some clergy cliff notes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, we are we are back with uh, some clergy cliff notes. Hey, um, we have uh, we're gonna try a different format uh, this time. Uh, we we usually have everybody come up with uh, a clergy cliff note to share, and we talk about it. But I have some three kind of major news stories that happened over since we took a break, and I want to kind of bring this up to y'all and just kind of hear your thoughts. Um, it, it would be probably wildly inappropriate for us to not bring up what happened on January 6th. Uh, um, obviously, the Capitol was um, – there was a big demonstration protest over the election, and um, and people breached the doors into the Capitol. They got into certain Congress people's offices, and they were in, like, the chambers and things like that. Uh, five people passed away, um, one being a police officer. And uh, – I think it's – I want to say it's safe to say that this moment is going to be like a 9-11 level historic moment in our nation in just a sense that like – I mean the, the 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 U.S. Capitol hasn't been breached since the, the War of what, 1813? Is, is that what it's called? 1812. 1812. 1812. Um, I'll, Close. I'll fight you. Sorry. In Cuba, we don't learn these things. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't born in Cuba. Anyways, uh, but like – and like, I mean, the fact that there was a Confederate flag in the Capitol, um, there were people people saying like, you know, we need to kill Mike Pence, and there's this, it's just, it was, it's a crazy scenario. We know what happened. That's not what I want to talk about. There's an article that came out on CNN. It was an opinion piece um, that was titled "Capital Rioters Made a Mockery of Christian Values," and. If you watched any of the news that day, you saw people with crosses. There was actually a giant cross that was erected, signs that said Jesus saves. There were um, people having like these worship services, like they were singing worship songs. I just saw a video yesterday that blew my mind. And it was these moments where outside the Capitol, in like, I guess the lobby of the Capitol, wherever that big space is, where people were first breaching into, and then in the actual chambers, they had these moments where they stopped and prayed. In fact, you made a joke about the the Buffalo guy, Delmar. He got on a bullhorn in that big chamber room and said, hey, 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 let's pray. And, like, he prayed a prayer. 
And what was crazy about it is it was coherent. I mean, it was like it was like a prayer you would expect any lay person in this country that grew up in an evangelical church to pray, even though he kind of like has been given off this like new age, whatever stuff, whatever. I think for me that, that I've been reading about and been concerned about is that this is the representation that Christianity has had for a number of years now um, with its marriage with politics. And I think there is a a um, a level of when people are seeing what happened to Capitol, they are saying like this is the representation of of American Christianity, and therefore people possibly, and I would I would argue maybe even justifiably say I don't want anything to do with Christianity if it's like this, right? And so my question to you is this: Should um, I think the Sunday after the the six, a lot of churches had to deal with this moment? Do we talk about this? Do we say something? Do we take a moment away from our sermon? Do we make an announcement? I know people on both ends on this. I have a friend who lives in Oregon who said Sunday morning was normal. No one brought it up. It was as if it wasn't an issue. And I know people who literally threw out their sermon and wrote something completely different based on what happened on January 6th. So my question for you is, do you feel like pastors should be making statements about big current events like we saw that day in your Sunday morning services. Guys, I really struggle with this. Like I I don't feel like I have all the knowledge to make like sound statements at times. I I try to tie in the sermon to, you know, if it's if it's something major that just happened. So it was mentioned in the service the Sunday after. Yes. It was brought up in a way like you you might know from recent events in American history. You know, you know what I mean? Like something like that. But it wasn't like a very direct, here's my take on what just happened on Wednesday. You know, like I'd, so I really struggle with is that is that is that our job? Like, is it our job to have a critique on everything that happens? Or is it our job to say, here's what the Bible says about that? Like, I, I just I struggle with that. I mean, we kind of took the same approach where we prayed for it. And uh, and yesterday I spoke, I spoke to it without speaking to it. Yesterday we talked about guilt at our church. And like at the end of the service, we basically got to the place where we finally just went on ahead and admitted that like our guilt has moved us to carry flags that we shouldn't be carrying. And as Christians, the only flag we should be carrying is Christ and he is our King. And, um, I think when we carry that onto the battlefield, yeah, the people carrying the other flags are going to look at us. But I mean, to be honest, I mean, we're in the South. So we catch we've we've caught flack for not having services dedicated to supporting this or defending why it should happen or explaining how they feel. Listen, I get all that. My dad has more guns in his house than probably the local armory. Okay, like I get that. But at the same time, what is our job as the church? You know, one of my mentors once told me. Dell, make sure you always preach out of the Bible and out of your newspaper. And uh, there's oftentimes that that just churns in the back of my head. And I think the Bible should inform our news, but I don't think the news should come first. So that's the approach we've taken at our church. I think it's tricky when, as maybe, you know, as this age of church history, we're going to be remembered as, you know, the people that tried to make a catchy series out of every popular TV show ever. So, you know, it, it's hard to have a Lost-themed sermon series one year and a Heroes-themed sermon series one year and a Survivor 
see, and they're like, no, 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 we're not going to talk about this because we're only going to preach from the, you know, we're we're only going to use the Bible. So it's like, how do you, how do you lean into culture? Which you know, you look at Paul on Mars Hill, and leaning into culture is something that reaches people in a way that works. You know, it's we have the example in Scripture itself. You have to kind of talk about what's going on, but. How do you say something that's you? You don't want to be, you don't want to appear to be divisive one way or the other, um, but sometimes you need to call out sin, and it's it's a tough thing. We we did not change what we were doing. We we have a dedicated prayer time in our service every week that that hit it, and you know that prayer time we tip most weeks we pray for our national leadership and our elected officials as just a part of our service most most weeks. And so we kind of leaned heavier into that. Um, our, we, we have a call to worship at the front of each service. And so the calls to worship have been more focused on unity and what it means to, to follow Christ and not following any ideology. But we haven't really brought it up a whole lot in sermons. I mean, if your church is really reaching people, you're going to have woke people sitting out there. You're going to have red-pilled people out there. And I think the real pill that we have to swallow is that Jesus isn't Republican or Democrat. And and I'm not going to like stake my flag in any one of those territories. And I think churches that have made that distinction, um, they are going to be liable of having these labels. Like Because we're not going out there putting our flags in certain places, we've been called a liberal church. And I think the only reason we're being called a liberal church is because we're in a hyper-conservative place. If you were to take our same church and put it in a liberal community, and we were to take the same approach, I think we would be labeled a right-wing church. Um, but but to your point, Andrew, we have to teach our people how to how to function in this culture. For me, it's a don't put the cart before the horse. You know, I don't want to go to the scripture saying, here's the thing, opinion I really want to say about politics. It's really, here's what scripture guides us to live, and here's how this trickles down into it. The point that I've made a few times in the past year, just and it it's tied into the different sermons that that we've had is looking at Jesus's disciples. You know, you have Matthew who is the tax collector and you have a zealot that are both chosen by Jesus. So you have one person who's a right-wing nationalist, like literally that's what the zealots were, and then you have someone who would have been considered to be a left-wing globalist and both of them are called by Jesus to follow him. And Jesus you know, when he calls you, you become more like him, not more like one or the other. And so that's the point that, that I've made a few times. And it, it's really unique being in the church that we're in, because I grew up in an uber, uber conservative church culture. And so to to know that there are people that vote very differently than I do as active members of our church is always a good little reminder that, okay, this is good. Jesus calls people from left, from right, from centrist positions, and the call is not to become a centrist. The call is to follow him. The When we talk about all the different, like, I mean, it, it does feel like in our culture, there's like a, a, a big event almost every month, right? Or like at least almost like every week, it seems like. But um, I, you know, there was a number of situations since George Floyd, and obviously before George Floyd, 
where there were these like big national movements of protest, and especially in Milwaukee, where we have a diverse congregation, and therefore they're kind of like, and then we actually had uh, two police-based shootings of people of color, one in my city and then one like about 45 minutes away, where like, I feel like to, to be truly contextual to my people, there has to be something that was brought up and, and give a Christian perspective of this. I think when it comes to what happened in the Capitol, my only um, caveat when it comes to like what we should say as a as a as a church to our people is is my concern is there is a public display of Christianity and a and a cosign to something that also has in the same people literal neo Nazis. Literal people who said six million de- deaths in the Holocaust wasn't enough. Literal people who were like um, QAnon conspiracy theorists. Like, like you have all these people in the same company who are also praying and singing worship songs. There was a cross next to a a. Uh, it's not a guillotine. What is it called? Um, the, a noose. There, oh. there was a, I mean, gallows. a cross. A gallows. That's what it's called. I mean, they were right by each other, and I think that, like, even from a globe, from a from a national perspective, if you want, and not a global perspective, to me, there was such an assault on biblical Christianity and like a, a level of idolatry that I don't think I have seen in my lifetime. When I what I witnessed of how Christianity has been so blurred into this kind of like American narrative. That like the only thing closest to it is what the Mormons have been doing, right? And like, Amer- <laughs> it's like American ex- exceptionalism mixed with their faith. Like, there's only one other group I can think of that, and it's literally the Mormons that have done that, right? And and so so my my fear is not I don't know if it's a fear. My compulsion is for my people to to make sure they know what we saw on that on, on this on our news was not the Jesus we worship. It is not the Christianity that Christ died and rose again to redeem his people. What we saw is idolatry cloaked in the name of Jesus, and 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 there is is nothing there that we can necessarily endorse. And so therefore, I was having this struggle because there's part of me that wants to because Delmo, you kind of said it. It's like, and I mean, all of us have said it. like, there's people both sides in our in our group. And it goes back to that conversation that, like, uh, were there good people in that crowd, right? Like, were there, like, people who just had a concern for their nation, right? And uh, there's this um, – I think I shared it with you guys. One of the police officers um, that was at the Capitol was pulled into the crowd, and and literally, like, he feared for his life. They were pepper spraying him. They were beating him. Um, there, people were saying, use his gun to kill him. And he was afraid for life. And he said he pleaded for his humanity by saying, I have children, I have children. And then um, but somehow uh, people surrounded him and got him out of there. On the news, someone asked him, what would you like to say to the people who helped you survive? Because he said, I want to say thank you, but I'm going to censor this. Screw you for even being there, right? And so there's this like heart that he had that's like, the fact that there are people even associating with like the 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 hypocrisy, the 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 assault on the Capitol, and all these like vile messages, even the good ones are kind of like tainted in that because they're associating with that. And my thing is, it's like take the name of Christ out of that completely, 
that's just a riot, right? Like that's just like that's just a wild protest, and I can call that for what it is. Put the name of Christ in there, and I feel an obligation. I have to defend the name of Christ because people are are mishandling that. Is that unfair? Am I being too emotional in, in saying what I just said? Because that's how I felt. I don't think that. so at all. I, yeah. I, I, this is such a weird comparison, but forgive me, I'm a nerd, um, and I'm also reading through the Harry Potter books with my kids right now, and uh, I even the Malfoys turned and walked away before the battle started. You know, it's like there you would think that there'd be stories of people in that crowd that they saw what was about to happen. And they thought, Oh no, like I didn't think this was going to, yeah. like this, you know, that escalated quickly and they, and they, they pieced out, but we're not hearing stories of people that said, you know, no, I came to pray. I came to worship. And then the riot started, and I got out of there. We're, we haven't heard those stories well, yet. Well, I think, I think there are probably people who were at the speeches who didn't mm-hmm. necessarily walk down to the Capitol. Uh, yeah. so, so I think they could probably be yeah, somewhat sure. in that category. But I, know, here's what I would say, too. To, like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, for me, part of this conversation, symbols matter, and symbolism matters. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been an attack on the Capitol building itself. The fact that that is the symbol of, you know, our democracy mattered. And so in the same way, it also matters the symbols on the flags that people are holding up. Um, So for me, you know, we didn't mention anything on the Sunday after the 6th other than I said in the announcements, I saw the news, too. I know you're thinking about this. I'm thinking about it. I was shocked, but I want to be slow to speak. So later this week, I'm going to send you a video via our church, you know, kind of email list, and I'm going to have some thoughts for you because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak too quickly. And so then I sent an email out and just laid some things out. And the the things that I, uh, you know, took away or, or tried to help people think through was, number one, this is a classic example of syncretism where you've got civil religion and Christianity being mixed together. And Frank, I think that you're right in a sense that uh, we're seeing something outwardly that we haven't seen before, but I think it just is that we're seeing it explicitly now. Um, I think this stuff has been implicit for my entire life. Uh, you know. And so for me, when I critique the conservative right side of things, it's because I'm coming at it from as an insider. That's, that's the background I grew up in. That's the people I've been around my whole life. And so for me, I am more prone to critique that just as a citizen, as a person. But as a pastor, I felt compelled that I had to say something that Sunday to let my people know that I'm at least somewhat in touch with what's going on in your world. I'm not cordoned off in my little ivory tower of theology books. I'm with you. I see the news. I'm watching it. I'm scared too. But I also am not going to play into the hand of I need to immediately say something and make some kind of statement because, frankly, I think there's too much. Uh, it's like a weird version of virtue signaling where we have to make some statement about everything that happens, and you don't. My job is not to make public statements on behalf of some organization. My job is to shepherd people that are among me. So I don't feel an obligation to make a statement unless I feel like that warrants it. And it, and the video that I made, I didn't put on Facebook. I didn't. I just sent it to my people. Because my role is to shepherd my people. So then the following Sunday, I did say something very specific because we were talking about uh, being empowered by the Spirit. And I was talking at that point from Galatians 5, 
where you see the fruit of the spirit listed, but right before that you see the works of the flesh, most of which were on display at the Capitol. And I just made the point to say, like, I'm just, I just want you to be very clear and hear me say this. What happened at the Capitol and Christianity and the fruit of the spirit are just incompatible. You just, they're just not compatible. Uh, and so I, I do think there's a place for pastors to have a prophetic witness voice into their congregation and their community, but I don't have to do it on the timeline that I'm quote unquote supposed to do it on because I don't, I mean, that's not who I work for. Yeah. I like that. I just, you know, I, I feel like the need or the pressure yeah. of, wow. Okay. Tim, how are you going to respond? What are you going right. to say? And it's like, I, I'm not, um, give me a minute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you're, you're shepherding people right then too. Like you don't need to post about it on your Facebook the day of either. Like silence is not some statement. It's just silence. You really can just shut Facebook off for like three days and it's, and if people think bad of you, okay, I don't care. Um, uh, I, I do want to, as a point of clarification, to say, like, I I think there could have been people who were like, oh, they're breaking the walls down. I shouldn't be here. And, and there probably were people who walked away, right? There probably were genuine believers or genuine, like, decent people who were like, what we're seeing is bad. I don't want any part of this and walked away. That very well could happen. Um, and so I just want you to think that, like, Every single person there, I think, is terrible. But I will say that there are two really good podcasts I think talked about this recently. One is uh, Southside Rabbi, which is uh, friends of Jeff and I, KB and Amin. They did a, a whole episode called um, The Capital Under Siege. Man, it's so good. And it was so like – it was it, it was such good to hear their perspective. Um, and then another another show that I love is The Holy Post, which is by a guy named Phil Vischer who created Veggie Tales. But he but on that he has a recent episode, episode four thirty nine. Was the Capitol attack a Christian insurrection? And and they dig a deep dive on that, and it's a really really interesting stuff. Um, I would recommend those shows. But hey, uh, let's go on to the to the last two questions, the last two articles that came came up over the week. A little a little bit more lighthearted than the, the first one. I think it's worth talking about. Uh, the first one is this: is uh, there's an article by Religion News. What is it like to work for Dave Ramsey? Um, and so, so uh, long story short, there's been a couple of like uh, things coming out of the Dave Ramsey Enterprise World Solutions, whatever they want to call themselves, Empire. Um, big thing: there's been there's like a big spike of COVID cases because they refused to kind of do uh, work at home situations. And so there was like over a hundred people at one point that had COVID in that build, in that, in that institution, in that, in that place. Um, and, and, um, there was an email written by someone's wife who worked there complaining on Facebook that their husband's business won't let him work at home. And subsequently that man got fired and the HR person said, it's because of your wife's Facebook post. Right. And um and and there's been a response like uh, religion news actually emailed Dave Ramsey's company and uh and they wrote back a sarcastic rant by saying you're right we are a terrible place to work at we you know you should hate us like it was being snarky um and there was one comment where there was this big event that like their events are very expensive to go to also it's like thousands of dollars I just learned that where they were trying to host an event and people wanted a refund because of the COVID virus. And he made a statement. like, you want to know how much you're going to get? Zero dollars. I'm keeping your money. You're a wuss. He said that to the people who wanted a refund. So I'll say this. I, I'm, I, I'm indifferent about Ramsey. Like I have credit cards, so he probably hates me, but, but, but like, I think financial, um, 
stewardship is good. And there is definitely some good stuff in the Ramsey perspective of, of stewarding money. But the bigger thing I want to talk about is, is, you know, three of you um, are, are essentially, I don't, and I don't know how structures work with, with your denominations, elders and stuff like that, but like you guys are bosses of a business in, in, a, in a certain way where you have to hire employees. I'm guessing maybe your elders handle hiring and firing and stuff like that. But one thing I think about as, as a growing leader is I'm the type of person where I do believe like, if you want things done correctly, you should do it yourself. And like, I feel this pressure or this weight of like being scared of letting people do things where I know I could possibly do it better. And so there's this, there's this challenge in my leadership where I don't want to be a micromanager and a tyrant telling people what to do and not to do. But at the same time, like I don't want things to, to be crappy. And to a degree, I sense that as a small part of Ramsey's leadership style, right? It's like, he wants things to be done. He wants things to be done correctly. So he's kind of like putting his hands and everything and micromanaging to the point where like, it seems like it's a pretty tough place to work at. Um, how do you handle that? at your at your places like i don't know how many employees are at your churches but like how do you handle that without basically how do you lead an organization without becoming a tyrant let me say this about team ramsey i was scheduled to do a ramsey event in july in june i called team ramsey and said hey my wife's not real comfortable with me traveling over to orlando for your event i need to see about a refund and it's a substantial refund because their events are not cheap and his reply was why what's wrong this was June of 2020 in Florida. I said, well, where in Florida, June 20,000 people a day were getting the virus in Florida in June. He said, I said, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic and my wife's not really comfortable with me traveling to Orlando right now. And he said, oh, OK, well, I'm here in Nashville and all of our offices are open and no one's working from home. Like That was what he told me. Like, I, I didn't even know how to respond. They would not give me a full refund. They gave me a partial refund. It was just, I, I, what do you do? Wow. Talk about it on your uh, podcast later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing now. I, I'm not shocked by by any of it. We've we've done um, two years of the Financial Peace University courses offered at our church, and they've been well attended. The, the content is good, but it's funny. Both times there have been people that have been relatively new to our church. They're like, oh, this is this is good. And after like the third session, they're like, and they're people that have been new to Christianity in general. And, you know, it's the, I don't know if you've done the FPU courses, but they're presented almost like a cert, like a sermon, you know, the guys on the stage, there's, there's the lower thirds with some Bible verses underneath there talking about the, the principles, but he just yells and screams and there's spittle coming out. And I've had people both years be like, wow. His communication style is a little bit different from yours, huh, Andrew? And I'm like, uh, yep. Um, but my, man, I would so much rather be seen as a pushover, as a boss, than ever come across as that. And maybe, and maybe that is my fatal character flaw that I'm okay with being a pushover. Um, and, and maybe it's just different Enneagram types. And, and I don't know what it is. Maybe God made him in that way and God made me in my way and both are good. But when I read that article, I was not even a little bit surprised that that was the culture of the workplace. Yeah. For me, I'm currently hiring two employees. We're hiring a new assistant and a new children's director because military called them away. Um, and I think, to be honest, I know this, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Scripture's kind of told us you need to love the people. 
if you're going to lead them. Like if I'm hiring somebody and I'm like, man, this person's going to be difficult for me to love. Um, like you have to factor that in. And for me, caring about my people and not being a tyrant really comes down to the greatest gift I can give them. And for me, knowing who you are is one of the greatest gifts to loving people where they are. If I know I'm a micromanager and I am, I have a proclivity to go and like try to do someone else's job, like I need to be aware of that on the front end. And that helps because um, I'm able to get mentoring and help. Now, as you continue to do ministry and as you get tenure, all of you know, because you probably have sat under good mentors or good pastors, like tenure does help you in a community or a context, but it also can hurt you because you can outgrow your humility, <laughs> you know? And I think one of the things that I'm seeing, and even as I hear about Dave Ramsey and even people who I really respect, really cared a lot about like Mark Driscoll, you know, he seemed to have a similar thing. Um, just the sentence keeps coming to my head is just never let your brand make you forget that you're just a man, you know, like we could think that our brand is awesome and fire and people will pay up for it. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take but a few stories to reveal who you are. And this just isn't in the Christian world. Look at Ellen DeGeneres over the past year. Like everybody's been dropping all the stuff she's done. And like, no, like you're finding out oh, that's kind of a garbage atmosphere. So I think we need to f never forget before we're a brand that we're a human and we make mistakes and we need to be knowing who we are so we can lead other people. If you want a red flag to whether or not you're repenting, I think one of the things that I've seen is just look for the presence or absence of joy in your life. You know, because, um, repentance, I love what John Piper says. He says, um, if repentance doesn't end in joy, you haven't finished, you know, and it's, it's this idea of like, yeah, I'm fine. Like all these passive aggressive responses that you get from these pastors and organizations, there's no joy in that. That's a defense mechanism that is, um, you know, like more of a, a burdened heart. Whereas if you were truly repentant, then you would have joy. And that email to Tim would look massively different. Because like what you just said, Jeff, it is a cultural thing. So if people all the way at the bottom are sending out that email, then what does that say about how hard it is at the top? Because you know what they say in organizations, the closer you get to the bottom, the sharper it is. You know, so like, I mean, how, how, how is this thing at the top that it's, it's filleting all the way down to the average people that hard? We're going to, we're going to do one more clergy cliff note. I think that will necessarily bring um, some kind of levity to all this because it's been a, a good, heavy podcast. So uh, do you guys know? I pity the fool that doesn't like some levity. Yeah. Did you know? Did you guys know Mr. T's a Christian? <laughs> I don't think I've ever knew that. And uh, wow. Relevant Mag. That brings new light to him pitying the fools. Hey. Now. <laughs> oh, my really gosh. Never... Compassion <laughs> on, on display. Hey. Uh, so Relevant Magazine, Proverbs series, yes. right there. Relevant has a new article um, about um, you know asking if you're following Mr. T uh, because uh, he he's a believer. He, here's some tweets that he wrote on January 12th. He said, "We are fighting two contagious, deadly viruses. One is COVID-19, and the other is hate. We got vaccinations for COVID and the love of God for all the haters. <laughs> the vaccine works when it is injected into your arm. The love of God works when you inject so it good. into your heart." Hashtag Dude, Tuesday I love it. Five. Another... <laughs> so good, <laughs> I mean, man. On the same day, 
on the same day he wrote, Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, Matthew 5.44. And he said, the, the admonition, love your enemies, is one of the greatest statements Jesus ever made. Love in the passage is love that originate from God himself. Dude. Theology <laughs> 101, T, let's man. Go. That's good. I, I mean, there's something I, there's something like I love when I see just like people who you don't expect, like love the Lord, just have these like bold, just like, I don't care. Like Justin Bieber has done stuff like this before. Like there's like tweeting. Just, <laughs> I was just going to bring up Bieber. That was <laughs> I just, I, I know, I just. Lo- I wonder if they know each other. I just love it because it remind. It, it kind of. I mean, I hope this is not derogatory. It kind of reminds me of like freshmen in Bible college who are just like, I just read Grudem, tweet, 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 you know, and, and it's like they go, they go crazy about it. But like, I genuinely like. If, if there's anything that gives me like, kind of hope in humanity and like hope in like um, how the gospel is changing people is when I see this just kind. Of, it's when I see these like organic, like really authentic expressions of like zeal for the Lord. And like, I don't want to ever be that person who like, when I was a freshman in Bible college, acting like this, the senior in Bible college that says, Hey, you'll grow out of that. I don't want you to grow out of this. Like I yeah. want this kind of this zeal, this joy of the Lord to just tweet unashamedly like that. Like, I love it. So this isn't very much a, this is more of a silly question, but like, you know, there's this boldness in the in these in these some of these celebrities who are finding this joy in their relationship with the Lord. What are the things that you will not post about? So we kind of talked about this a little bit about kind of politics. You know, like right now I'm in this tough situation where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the Green Bay Packers. I'm from Tampa and I live in Wisconsin. I don't know if I what I should post this week, but like what are the things you 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 will not post on social media no matter what? Okay, so for me, and I, if you've been listening to the podcast since like month two, um, Tim and I decided that I was going to kind of start, start working on my health. And in the last few months, I've lost about 50 pounds. And, uh, but Dale, you haven't posted about it, so I, know, I wasn't sure right? if it was actually happening. No, and, and, and you're bringing up the point. Like, I'm, I'm not posting about that, you know, because I'm not – what I've learned is when there's this thing that God's convicted me about to do for myself – on behalf of my family and the people I lead, the second I post about it and show a before and after picture, now I'm inviting everybody who doesn't need to, to be my accountability partners. Because if I gain weight again, they're all going to see it and it's going to be embarrassing. So I, I don't invite, I don't do posts that invite other people to hold me accountable that I don't ask to. <laughs> <laughs> that's good so i never will ever share anything like negative about the church i'm leading or like i mean i know i shouldn't have to say this but like don't p- passively aggressively post things about church members or issues you're facing i mean if you're a pastor like come on man so i mean other than that i think i just kind of go case by case but i i definitely will not like post a passive aggressive thing about an issue i'm having at the church yeah it's good for the most part i try to keep it light like that is kind of my philosophy on social media i think you can scroll through my stuff and go back for the most part it's a very light-hearted social media follow where i I don't try to be all that divisive i mean you know it's tough where we find ourselves now but funny silly kid stuff you know the the usual disney but i'm I'm with jeff on that big time what will i not post i will not post negative stuff about my church church members um i i don't like the negative posts tearing other christians down either i haven't found that to be all that productive either I'm, so i'm trying to be light 
I, I, I see my, you know, how we're, we've been told for the past five or seven years that your website or the social media is now the foyer to the church. I see my social media as this is the foyer to meeting the pastor. So what's the small talk conversation that someone might, you know, what is, what's something that might open the door for a new conversation with someone? And then I also don't want to post anything that's like a woe is me. Like there's those people that you know that every time they get a flat tire, they post about it. Or or I've got a pastor buddy who is constantly posting about how hard it is to be a pastor during COVID. It's like, dude, you haven't missed a paycheck. A third of your church is wondering if they're going to make their mortgage payment. And you're posting that people are upset that you're having to make decisions. You have a job. You get to make decisions, you know. And so my, I, I try to be light. I try to make I, – my goal in my social media is to make myself more approachable to people than I would be if they met me for the yeah, first time. Your social time. media is not your, really uh, your therapy session. You know, but, but what yeah. I do think is – because you bring up a really good point, Andrew. I don't, I don't post my woe is me's on there. But like there's a part of me that needs to get that out. So find a place to do that. You know, for me – yeah, I've got two yeah. podcasts. <laughs> for, for me, we have uh, at our at our church we use Workplace, which is made by Facebook. It's basically Facebook for nonprofit. If check it out if you're interested. But I have a secret, private, closed group named Delmar's Desk on Workplace that no one can find or see. And I go in there and post my stuff in there. If I've had a bad day, if I just need to like confess some stuff to God, I have the satisfaction of mashing enter. And the guess what? The next week I go back and read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was thinking that I was in that place. Um, it's a really good way to audit yourself, but that's what I do. I create a secret group. I bet all your Facebook ads are just all about your problems. There's like, no such thing as secrets on Facebook. Bill. I, bet, I on. bet your ads are all nope. like, oh, you, you don't like the elder? Well, here's no, it's a book on workplace. On so there's no ads on there. But yes, I would imagine. But, you know, like we're, we're all in a GroupMe account page. I don't know how GroupMe works. We have a group chat together and we're, we don't just talk about the podcast. We talk about real life ministry stuff. I'm in a couple other group chats, one with a bunch of local pastors, one with pastors from across the country. And in there, yeah, if something sucks, you say, hey, this sucks. But it's with people that are at pretty much the exact same life stage. They they get it. I don't want to broadcast my dirty laundry to people that I don't trust to see the skid marks. That's it. That was deep. Write that down. You You always have to consider the lowest (laughs) common denominator when you post. You know, like yeah. I've did this one time and I think I may have brought it up, told you guys earlier. I did it one time. I posted a passive aggressive thing. It was like four years ago and some loving created Imago Day bearing human being in that group went screenshotted what I wrote, went to our church's main Facebook, found the senior pastor's email and sent it to him. And then I'm getting a call on Saturday from the senior pastor. So um, I do think like you have to consider the lowest common denominator when you post. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I like that, man. I like I like the what you said, Andrew, about the your social media is the foyer to the pastor. Like I think that's that's true. And you gotta take into consideration that like as a pastor, you have this unique kind of responsibility to not just post your thoughts, but you're also a representation of your church. And to a degree, you're also a representation of like leadership within 
the church and like and uh, and what I mean I mean like global church like someone messaged me about like how they're so sad seeing Christian leaders voice hate on their Twitter or whatever and it's like they're not just representing themselves they're representing the church whether they like it or not and we need to be mindful of that and even like in our smaller cases of our you know few hundred followers on our Facebook or or whatever it's like people are seeing Christianity through the lens of what we are projecting as leaders and we need to be mindful of that um that's good uh i'm just you not gonna send that guy mr t's twitter feed yeah it's post what just retweet mr t and there's nothing you can do wrong that's all you good hey let's take a break for a second and we're gonna come back with our main discussion about our goals in 2021 so guys it's 2021 um I, I I don't know when you're a senior pastor, do you have like um uh, annual reviews from your elders? I had an annual review from my direct report, and one of the questions we were asked was like, what are your goals for 2021? And so um, you know, we're not necessarily talking about personal goals, but if you want to bring up like a personal goal or something, that's fine. Like, you know, you want to read more or whatever, that's that's cool. But I want to know like what are the things you're gonna be doing in your church? Like what are some things that maybe you learned from 2020 that you're going to do in 2021 that you want to do better, that kind of stuff. And, and, and maybe for some people who I think like treated 2020 as like they had these big ambitions and goals and they're going to 2021. They're just like, I just want to still have a church by the end of the year. Like maybe we can give them some perspective of like, Hey, here are some of the things that we're doing. And maybe if there's something that you see from us that you're like, Hey, maybe we should implement this in our church. You can you can steal it. So, what are th- the things your your goals in twenty twenty one that you're doing either at your campus, Del Mar, like me and you, or at your church um, for this new year? I'll I'll jump in first because I told you guys when we got started. I read this question in our show notes and I thought, oh boy, I got nothing. It was like I wish I had something deep and spiritual to say, but I kind of feel like it's been that treading water um, for all of twenty twenty. And so, typically at the beginning of a year. It would be, you know, oh, here's what we want to do. But man, I I just n- did not get into the head space or the heart space where I could sit and pray and be like, you know, here are some discernible goals that, that I have. I have this little sheet. I don't know why I'm sticking this up in front of the camera now because we're not recording this. But I have a little thing that hangs on my wall. That's a, it's a knock list, you know, about the parable of the persistent neighbor knocking. And because of the persistence, uh, the neighbor getting up and answering. And so it was the, here are the consistent things that I'm going to pray about for my church each and every year. And so it's, uh, you know, baptisms, new members, attendance, and finances that are some some things that I'm praying about. But to say that those are goals for this year, I, I, I don't think that would, would work because it's just some consistent things that I'm praying about for our church. Yeah. Well, Frank, I'm glad that you brought up evaluations because that was one of the goals that I presented to our staff at our staff meeting last week and our elders at our elder meeting last week as well was that 2021 was going to be a year of evaluation for us. And for I just kind of challenged our staff and our elders to be ready for some difficult conversations because we're going to evaluate every ministry that we do from the top down as we approach 2021 with a gospel-driven focus as we're reading through gospel-driven church, the book. So we're going to use a lot of the principles in there in that evaluation process. But I'd, I'd love for you guys to send me whatever it is you use in your eval process, because I don't really know where to start there. What, like, 
when you have, so I've never had a, an evaluation done on me other than a, a, per, a self-evaluation like six years ago. So I'd love to know what that even looks like. Uh, I mean, for us, it's going to be, uh, I set out some stuff in a notebook. Uh, I tend to kind of do things on paper first and then take it into like a Google doc. But we, um, we're in a state called redevelopment now, which is basically like, uh, I think I might've explained this before, but our church decided to, uh, it's a, a process in our denomination for kind of replanting. So when I came on, that was part of it. And so uh, this year we want to move out of that and back into being a fully accredited church. Um, and, you know, we know we're doing that in the midst of what we're in the midst of, but uh, we have a number of baptisms that are probably going to happen on Easter Sunday, uh, which I'm pretty excited about, um, which I also need to buy a baptismal because ours is underneath our stage and doesn't work well and the water's freezing cold in the winter. Uh, and or Easter is still cold, which was hard for me to learn as a Southerner. But uh, so that's that. That is a uh, one of the things we're going to be doing. And then uh, we're just going to take some time to reset vision and mission. Uh, and so after we get through the current sermon series we're in, we're going to be in a series on that that I'm also going to sort of treat as our membership class because the reality is I don't foresee like full on visitors attendance wise coming before Easter for us. Um, it's probably going to be the same kind of people that have been coming for a long time who are coming to the in-person gatherings between now and Easter. Um, so uh, if that's the case, then th this works really well. Even if it's not, it's fine. But I'm going to basically take what I would have done in a membership class over the number of weeks and turn that into a sermon series. And then I'll be able to treat that as the membership class because in order for us to be back to fully accredited, everyone has to go back through a membership class, even if they've been a member for 30 years. Uh, once you go into this redevelopment status, you have to reset almost like a church planter would uh, reset all the membership. So I'm going to do it as a sermon series and uh, kind of the launch Sunday will hopefully be Easter Sunday. And then from there, we'll be in a series on Acts um, to kind of just talk about what the church is, church leadership, what all that looks like. So um, that's our I mean, that's basically it. And I think one of the things I'm doing differently in 2021 than I was doing before 2020 was I'm not going to be planning as long term. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Uh, I'm going to plan things. The way I've been saying it to the congregation is I'm planning everything in pencil. Um, so I'm, I am making plans and I'm, you know, going with those plans. But probably practically, I'm only going to make plans like in sermon series plans like two to three months out. Uh, because what 2020 taught me is, I mean, stuff can happen and just flip the world upside down. And, uh, you know, maybe in 2022, we'll get back to planning things a year, 18 months out. But for now... Uh, I'm not going to feel bad about, you know, not having the, the mental capacity and bandwidth to plan that long, knowing that, you know, anything could happen. For us, I've, I kind of bracket our goals into three main ones. Just the top things in those three is in our community goals that I would have. Um, our church right now, even in the middle of this, we're actually supposed to be breaking ground in the next month and a half on a new facility. Um, so... Obviously, it's no news that people aren't coming right now. So what we're really having to do in our community is ramp up the presence a lot. Because when people are ready to come back, we want 
our name to be fresh on their mind that maybe somehow we reached out to them. So like, for example, I ordered like 800 light bulbs and we put them in bags and we're going to walk around the community with just a, a note in the bag that says, you know, we believe um, everyone needs a light and so does every community. And that's what we want to be for you. So we're just trying to do some things in the community to have a presence. I think that's the most important thing for us in our local body, in our church body. We're doing some, uh, I wouldn't call it an overhaul, but we are in, um, doing some work on our deacons and our um, because I don't know how it is in your church. In a lot of churches, deacons works like this: guy gets nominated, guy shows up to a meeting, guy says yes, and then for the next three years, he feels like he bought a timeshare. You know, it's like, did I really sign up for this? So what we're doing is our deacons who are nominated are getting teamed up with uh, an established deacon six months out. We're gonna have a mentorship and a handoff system. So we're trying to work through some new deacon ideas so we can um, get men who know this is their calling um, so they can be that much more. And then uh, on a personal level, I have met with our pastor this past week and um, he asked me, he says, what's one key strategical thing that you think would really help your church? And I told him, I said, I think actually being mentored by a 35 year pastor veteran would really help me. So my senior pastor said that this year he would he would take the time to actually do some one on one mentoring with me so I can just ask him these questions. So that's kind of my three levels of my goals. We're launching as well. And so we're launching next. I mean, the next month or in, in a half or so. And so l- launching well, my personal thing is, is like I want to find one more community partnership. We, we partner with the schools. Um, there's a preschool that's in my building, and then there's like a, an elementary and a Lutheran school that's uh, within like a mile away from the church that I'm partnering with. Um, and uh, and then there's the food pantry that my wife is in charge of. But the, I'm trying to find a third partnership. And um, it, I'm debating right now because it, it's an issue of like energy and finances, like what we're going to put our money towards. And I feel split between both of these organizations, and I don't know which one to really partner with. One is an ethnic group within my community that is, seems to be larger than the other ones. We have a large Hmong population. Um, that um, there's like a Buddhist temple and a Hmong Alliance Church, actually, Jeff. Yeah, that, that, they're that, big in our denomination. There's yeah. a Hmong Alliance Church across the street, and there's a Buddhist temple literally on the same block, and then a Hmong Alliance Church to the onto the right of me. And so, and there's like a large population of Hmong people in the community. So I'm, I'm like, there, there's something there. I think we could reach out to them. Uh, and and, there, and there's a Hmong population coming to the food pantry too. So there's already like a bridge being built right there. The other side of that is, um, you know, we had a really large uh, police in, uh, shooting um, at a mall, which I don't know. Sorry, let me take a step back. There was a shooting at the mall that caused like a big situation and then several months later there was a shooting like a mass shooting at the same mall and um and part of me in the 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 campus pastor i worked under had a big relationship with the police department he was actually a chaplain for the police department and i'm not sure if i had the capacity to be a chaplain because actually demands a lot of you to be to do ride-alongs and always be on call and like you know, if 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 someone if a, if, a, if a girl dies in a car accident, you're called up to go to the parents' house to tell them about the news, and that could be like at two in the morning. Like that's a lot for like already a full time pastor. Some people that's their full time job is to be a chaplain. Um, but some sort of partnership with either the police department in my city or some kind of like like either maybe be part of like the civil 
business district planning of my community. Does that make sense? Like those two things I'm, I'm, I'm debating about what I could be a part of. Um, and what does that look like? We're I, I'm, I'm going to, once we launch, I'll f- think I'll figure that out better. But Frank, one of the things I did here is I started going to, we have neighborhood improvement associations. Uh, you can usually find those on Facebook. If you look for like the name of your neighborhood and put improvement association, I started going to those and they've now asked me to be the consider being the president. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. You live like on a uh, on the church property, right? Yeah. So, because because I like this is this is actually my office and my bedroom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the the reason why I'm asking is like um, I tried to join the neighborhood association Facebook group of my where my church is. Oh yeah, and they were like, Since don't... I don't live there, and I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. <laughs> like I don't know what to do. But I understand. I mean, if you explain it to them, they might let you. But yeah, I live in Lansdowne, which is where my church is. One of the things that's helped me get really plugged in is the SIC councils at the school, basically school enrichment council. From my understanding, they they legally have to have them. And people, quite honestly, don't want to be on them a lot of times. So when pastors show up and say, hey, I'll be on them, that you have direct access to the administrator of that school with generally only like five other people in the room. Man, we have bought so much ground in our district just by saying, hey, I'll be on that council because it saves him the trouble of having to recruit somebody new. And then I now I can walk into the schools whenever I want to. Well, I mean, bar COVID. It's the same with the Improvement yeah. Association. Yeah. It's like there are not many people want to do it in the neighborhood, and it gives me direct access to like a police liaison officer. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, these are really good ideas. I mean, and 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 personally, and like maybe we should talk about this another day. I mean, actually, it might fit well with what we're gonna maybe do in the upcoming weeks. Is I'm trying to personally be more well read and and try to read broadly. And and so I have kind of like a, a category of systems of like the three types of books I want to read. Um, I think that's a, that's an episode for itself. It's like what 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 are we going to read in 2021? And I think there might be something really cool that we can do as a practically pastoring Facebook group with that. So with that being said, uh, let's take a break one more time, and then we're going to come back with the question of the week. But it won't be a question; it'll be something else. So we'll be right back. Uh, we're going to uh, wrap this show up. Usually we have a question of the week that we're going to ask the cast, but we're going to do something a little different. Um, you know, I have friends who are pastors at Methodist churches, Church of Christ churches, and um, and there is this like warning from their denominations going down to their churches about um, possible attacks that could happen this week. Um, simply because they are deemed as left wing or liberal denominations of churches, and you know, before we got on the show, I was talking to Delmar, and and you know, some even simple acts of like racial reconciliation has been able to mark churches who are traditionally maybe more conservative um, as as left wing or liberal, and and I think these 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 titles aren't very helpful, especially when it comes to churches because. Churches don't really shouldn't be able to fit cleanly in any kind of political party, but that's for another day. Um, I, my my thing is there has been these uh, these threats of attacks on churches, and and this week and the past few weeks have been you know tough for churches and pastors to not just figure out how to handle and navigate these conversations, but we've seen blatant attacks on specific uh, faith leaders, pastors, for you know standing up for truth or just stating their opinion. I think it's instead of asking a question, I think it'd be appropriate since we are pastors 
practically trying to pastor our congregations and we're trying to just share advice to other pastors. I think it might be appropriate just to take a minute to just spend some time in prayer and pray for all the listeners who may be facing a really difficult week coming up and who are who are maybe in a denomination that received that email that that said, hey, brace yourself for maybe a difficult week and, and just pray for the body of Christ right now. It's, I mean, it's to say it's been divided is an understatement. It's been like that for a while, but it, this this week isn't going to be any easier. And so, uh, Delmar, uh, I was hoping if maybe you can uh, kind of pray for us as we end our show. Um, pray for the churches, pray for the pastors, and um, and pray that this week can go as smooth as possible. Do you work in us in very specific ways? in the ministry and in our lives. But God, uh, we just want to thank you that even though we're all unique, that you, that you are the same wherever you are. And God, I ask that you will just give us all the, the strength and um, the courage to lean into you and what you would have us to do to, to lead the people that you've placed in front of us. God, I pray that we would lead in humility that God, we would not be a people who think we have all the answers, but we simply point to the one who does. Um, God, our hope and our prayer and our burden is that no matter what crisis is this week and the next week and the next week, that every single week, the banner we carry is the truth of the love of your son, Jesus dying on the cross for us. God, we ask that that would rise above just the ashes of the entire dung heap that we create as humans and God that you will shine above that God I ask that you will just give us an increasing sense of unity and an increasing sense of desire to see your church carry forth your message God guard our mouths God guard our hearts guard our minds God I ask that you would bless our actions and God that you would bless the work you've put before us it's in Jesus name amen amen Hey, everyone, stay safe. Uh, have a blessed week. And uh, if you haven't done so, join our Facebook, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. But uh, until next time, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Del Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. And this is Practically Pastoring. See you later. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.